and welcome to 40 Cray, <laughs> podcast by two kind of like late 30s dudes, kind of kind of getting to 40, whose adult lives and responsibilities haven't eclipsed our zeal for, for dumb nerdy stuff. We love it. Video games. I love video games. Tom, you like painting miniatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love we love just chatting, doing fun things. I'm Ben, aka LS Demon, and I'm joined by my ever-present co-host, Tom, Tommy Bones of Bonesaw Miniatures Instagram. Hello. Hello, Tom. It's been a long week. Mm-hmm. We're recording this on a Sunday night a little late because we're trying to get our shit together, Tom. There was a lot of stuff going on. I feel like that's become another one of our catchphrases. <laughs> when you're like, what do we always say? It's been a long week. <laughs> but it, it, every week is a long week, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's that Nine Inch Nails song, like, every day is exactly the same. Yeah. You know, I, I'm currently living in a, a one-bedroom apartment with my partner, uh, which we had planned to, to try to move out of, but then COVID hit, so we ended up staying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have one little desk area where I spend most of my weekdays looking at a wall <laughs> while I'm on Zoom calls from 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. with a couple breaks here and there to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And Tom, you have uh, an equally demanding life, I think. Yeah, I'm up super early, quarter to four, but I'm home around noon so that's nice and then i uh, just play with gore child until he goes to sleep and then i come into the basement and paint <laughs> to, to be clear for those listening if you if you're not familiar with our back catalog of episodes gore child is what <laughs> we refer to tom's uh lovely uh son who i believe is like two and a half at this point right uh two and a quarter okay i was off yeah december does he, does he also have the teeth of a mica dragon <laughs> yes I know, he hasn't we, bit me, though. He has not bit you. Uh, no. Are we allowed to talk about the other addition to your family? Sure. So you, you got you have a second Gore child coming uh, <laughs> when? Just a few months, right? Uh, yeah, she's due the end of August. Wow. Oh, that's a lot sooner than I thought. Wow, that's only five months away. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why I'm stressed. You're the one who... <laughs> <laughs> So, so Tom, other than video games, we also love movies and TV and stuff, and yeah. we're really excited when Games Workshop announced about a week ago that they were actually going to partner with a lot of the independent fan animators that were doing 40K projects. So it, for those out there, if you haven't seen it, Astartes is an awesome web series. I think there's five episodes. It's uh, CG, really great stuff, like mm-hmm. one of the best examples of like how to imagine these like seven feet foot tall superhumans being really like almost like martial artists the way they move and then then there's another series called exodite which was being produced but not yet uh, hadn't yet released about eldar exodites which we can talk about and and how they fight with tau in some situation Mm -hmm. so i you know tom my first reaction is i i love the fact that games workshop was like hey we we like your stuff we're trying to grow our our you know, IP. Mm-hmm. We're just going to bring you into the fold. You're you're part of the the universe now. What What do you think? Uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, especially considering they're uh, so quick to cease and desist as <laughs> as far as uh, models go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, had Had you seen uh, the Astartes show, the uh, web series? Uh, not before all of this. I mean, I, I had heard of it, but. I don't know, for, for whatever reason, it just uh, never crossed my path. Yeah, but you've seen it since then. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Good stuff. It's pretty fucking good, right? Yeah. 
Honestly, yeah, I was reading Reddit, and one of the comments was, "Does that mean they're going to be turned into Ultra Smurfs now?" Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> think so, but it's still good stuff. Yeah. Um, what do you know about Eldar Exodites? Uh, I know you're a you're a fan of the Exodites, right? I mean, in as much as you can be a fan of Eldar, but still be you know one and only dedicated to chaos. <laughs> yes. As far as all of the Eldar factions go, uh, the ones that ride dinosaurs are, are probably the coolest. Well, well, so that's the thing. Like we've talked about Harlequins previously, and we talked. We had a whole episode on Drukari. We haven't really talked much about Craft World, meh. Yeah. But I, th- I think so. Exodites, they never really had like a full army list. They were kind of around in Rogue Trader, and I think the idea is like some Eldar stayed in Kamarag, some stayed on their Craft World, and some were living on these planets outside of the sphere of influence of the Eye of Terror when it formed. So they almost had this like. Uh, uh, Zen like retreat to nature and became kind of like one with their world, kind of like a traditional wood elf type situation. Yeah, and dinosaurs. Yeah, and that's it. so. It's, so <laughs> and di- they ride dinosaurs. What the fuck? Like that's super <laughs> cool. But like, why? How? Can I get some explanation? <laughs> you know, whatever. So it's so it's like the high elves are to the craft world, the Asuriani, as the dark Eldar or the dark elves are to the dark. Well, this is all bullshit analogies anyway, because in the Age of Sigmar, this stuff doesn't exist, but whatever. So, High Elves, Asriani, uh, Dark Elves, Drakari, Wood Elves, Exodites. Mm-hmm. And I think that the dinosaur angle is like whatever worlds they were on, they kind of like got in tune with nature. And I, I guess those worlds happen to have dinosaurs or they brought dinosaurs with them. Wait, what's the deal? <laughs> I choose to believe they brought dinosaurs with them. Sweet. But it's cool. I mean, you know, you got like a, you know, what is that thing called? Uh, what are the the dire dark oh, fuck dire Avengers the fire aspect warrior? Mm-hmm. So there's probably I don't know if they're gonna do aspect warriors for fluff reasons, but the equivalent would probably be like a guy with some armor and some kind of magic technology lance on top of like a, a giant raptor. I want to see what happens. I'm I'm curious about it. Oh, this is what I'm thinking of. Uh, the Eldar are Altmer, and the Drukari are Dunmer. Wow, that is some hardcore D and D callbacks. So if you guys are D and D fans, go look those up. Or wait, no, are those Skyrim or are those D and D? Yeah, Elder Scrolls. It's Elder Scrolls. Jesus, yeah. I was just saying it was D and D. My nerd knowledge has been shown to be <laughs> lacking. So I guess the Exodites are Bosmer. What What were the ones that were like, you know, extinct? And when you went underground, you found like remnants of their civilization. Uh, the Dwemer were like the dwarves. Oh, that's right. They weren't elves. They were like yeah. dwarves. Uh, technically, orcs were awesomer. Orsomer. Orcs are also a type of elf. Well, we've already oh, mentioned... the Falmer. Yeah, the Falmer. Oh. The, the ones with the bone weapons and stuff, right? Yeah, they're like the degenerate, like, you know, that movie Descent, like cannibalistic elves, right? Yeah. Half blind, because they live in the dark. Oh. So, so, so far today, we've mentioned uh, 40K, Warhammer, <laughs> Fantasy Battles, uh, D&D... Uh, Elder Scrolls. Did, have we gotten a Lord of the Rings reference in there? I guess because I was like Wood Elves and High Elves. That's kind of Lord of the Rings. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Tom Bombadil. Yeah. Tom Bombadil. This deal. So, Exodite. So, I think the idea is like Tower going to come try to take over some world and the Exodites are there. Um, I don't particularly like the Tau. Um, I just don't. If you like them, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to shit on you. I just don't like them. I don't think they fit the dynamic and uh, i do i do like that they're 
a little grim dark. I just don't like them. I don't know. Not my thing. So also they beat me all the time. So that might be why I'm so fucking bitter Is about it them. The aesthetic or the fluff? It's both. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a little too Gundam and uh, yeah. the the fluff. I don't know. It just feels boring. But but I that's purely my opinion. I know a lot of people who don't agree. And again, I might just be bitter because they fucking destroy me and kill team all the time, and I have no solution for it. Fucking drone spam. Fucking drone spam. Or I don't want to go down that path. So, uh, but I think it's an interesting uh, battle, and I, I wanted to highlight this because first, it's not Imperium focused. Right. So it's one of the first like full Warhammer branded animations. Like they have a completely Imperium free conflict, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah, that's huge. Especially not, you know, ultramarine focus. Yeah, no which marine. Would, which would be big. Yeah. To even, to even say there are no marines at all, let alone blue ones. I know. So so it's it's the exact opposite of their miniature release strategy. <laughs> but, I mean, that's also because it, it came from fandom. So, I mean, right. that's that's something. The, the one thing that I have some reservations about is we haven't seen anything on Exodite since, I think, like, second edition... Mm-hmm. And they didn't even have an army list. They were just kind of loosely referenced. So whatever this kind of fan project was going to be was, was going to be just fine. If it's going to be officially branded, that means that we're actually going to have a pretty big impact on official depictions of Exodites appearing in Games Workshop sanctioned materials, which is actually a pretty big deal. Yeah, because now if they choose to come out with models, they sort of have a starting point, right? Something to an aesthetic already in place. Maybe that was part of the reason why they targeted this one is there's like a planned release at some point and they were like, hey, this will generate some good buzz. Why don't we connect with you because we can preview what some of that stuff looks like so you can incorporate it into your project. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. We, we're we In a future episode, we're going to try to track down some of the originators of, of these various projects we're mentioning because <laughs> we'd love to hear a little bit about like how Games Workshop reached out and and whether that's just a, hey, make what you want, we're going to give you our brand, or if it's like, hey, to be part of this, there's a set of like consultations that have to take place and permissions that have to happen. I'm really curious how they handle that. Yeah, certain things that are off limits. And it's, or like they have to like pre-approve scripts or something beforehand. Right. Interesting. But, but it is cool. It's a great example of them listening to the fans. Like, hey, fans wanted this, they were doing it, and they like you know dove into it, which I respect a lot. Yeah. One of the biggest criticisms, I guess, from uh, non-Space Marine players is that they're just not listening to the players. You know, they're, they're churning out what they think people want. And for the most part, they're right. You know, there are a lot of Space Marine players, but is it a result of so many Space Marine releases? Or is it, you know, chicken or the egg kind of a thing? It's it's a great point, because it's if you want new models, you kind of have to play Space Marines. <laughs> And, and as you saw when you were trying to build some of your kill teams, it can be prohibitively expensive to not play some of those kill teams that have like the really great versatile plastic kits. Yeah. Uh, I did read something interesting. I think it was uh, just a forum post. A, a new player was saying you know they wanted to break into into the game. You know they they were drawn, you know heard about it and wanted to start playing. So they were you know obviously drawn to Space Marines because they're the, the poster child, but there were so many options that it was overwhelming. They didn't know what to get, what was good. You know, They didn't want to waste money on boxes they didn't need. Uh, and I could see how that would be a problem. You know, uh, It's kind of scaring new people away. I mean, I, 100%. I, I, don't, I'm, I know there's a psychological concept that ties to 
being paralyzed by having too many options. But for mm-hmm. me, I just equate it to you go to a supermarket thinking, I'm going to buy wheat bread. <laughs> and there's an entire row of wheat breads that are multigrain, split wheat, uh, sprouted wheat. Then you got some in the freezer section. There's multiple brands, and within each brand, there's multiple types of wheat. It is it is very overwhelming sometimes. I mean, you know, look, I can buy bread, whatever. I usually just go for what's on sale. But my point is, like, if you're like, I want wheat, you still have about 10 different options in that subset, which is frankly too many. So it's a bad user experience. Especially if you're going to spend $65 on 10 slices of bread. Well, I only shop at the finest of supermarkets. <laughs> I think that metaphor holds, right? I think it does, too. <laughs> My bread is, it, the eggs come from rare endangered birds that are used to make the, the bread batter <laughs> and dough. Is there even eggs in bread? I don't think there are. It's just like yeast, uh, flour, and water, right? Yeah. Is there Are there eggs in bread? <laughs> hey, bread, is it made with eggs? Egg bread. All right, confirming Gabrielle, who's who's really fucking smart, says there's actually not eggs in normal bread you would use for sandwiches. Uh-huh. So uh, I'll play a womp womp noise about here. <laughs> Once again, I apparently don't know anything. Yeah. So Tom, talking about Warhammer movies. <laughs> Excellent. I, the Exodite. So I'm, I'm I'm curious to see where it comes from. I wanted to bring up that point about like it's it's kind of set in canon. The other mm-hmm. thing I wanted to kind of discuss. You and I have have talked about this a couple times. In the fiction, at times, authors find it challenging to help readers connect to some of the superhuman characters, such as Astartes, such as Primarchs, mm-hmm. and often will root the narrative in a human character like a Remembrancer, and like for the mm-hmm. Horse Heresy example. I wanted to bring that up because I think we really want this to go well. Like, for all of our complaining, we love Games Workshop and their IP, and we would much rather them go the way of Marvel than the way of DC, speaking of the, the Snyder Cut garbage, which just came out. Did you, have you watched any of that? Uh, no. Yeah. I'd rather watch this $6.50 bread slice rise in the oven. Or slowly grow mold. Yeah, which I could then scrape off and ingest. But but to that point, like I think we need to choose, and this is we being Games Workshop, I think Games Workshop needs to choose pretty carefully the types of stuff it looks at. And I would really suggest focusing on human stories. A, a human in, in, in quote, I don't mean like it has to be human, but stories that are relatable as like an Indian. So for example, if you do a story about space marines, like in the ultramarines, don't rely on hey we're gonna have a lot of fixed battles and like giant epic interactions because that will quickly cause the audience to be desensitized mm-hmm. likewise i think if they go the horus heresy route if it's a movie they're gonna fuck it up like they're, they're just gonna fuck it up if it's not like a multi 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 season tv show i would rather them not even try it because i don't mm-hmm. want them to fuck it up in a movie right. i think the horus heresy novels did a pretty good job like they seem to be kind of formulaic and that there was uh, a third of the book was exposition. Another third was, you know, furthering the story, and then the last third was well, not necessarily in that order, but a third uh, war porn. Yeah, they would switch up, you know, how how it was laid out, but for the most part, you know, you got your story, you got your furthering the plot, and then there was there was a good chunk of battle there as well. And like you, you bring up a good point about the war porn, uh, which, by the way, the first time you said that, I thought you said war porn. 
<laughs> war porn. porn. I'm like, that's, that sounds like a, a noise marine thing. But it's a demon instrument. Yes. <laughs> it's a warp horn porn <laughs> forlorn corn. Anyway, um, <laughs> this this is never going to air. This will never see the light of day. But oh. uh, so, so, no, I'm kidding. It, it, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the warp horn aside. Like yeah, I actually really like the Horus Heresy series. I'm not I'm not shitting on it, but but there's a lot different capacity to convey information in a four to five hundred page book about a very specific part of like a campaign or battle or one character than trying to tackle like literally I think at this point hundreds of books, right? Like there's at least over a hundred books in the Horus Heresy series at this point. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking this up. At, at least eighty something. Is okay, that including so the Siege of Terror. I don't. Yeah, I, in my mind, it's it's roughly roughly everything from uh, the beginning of the modern Imperium age uh, of, and the Crusade to the immediate aftermath of the Emperor being installed on the Golden Throne and Horus being defeated. So, like the formation of the Grey Knights, I'd put that in there, right? Because that took place after, um, like the first hundred years when the the chaos. Astartes are all in the warp trying to figure their shit out. Like, I think that all kind of fits in it in my idea. Oh, uh, 56. <laughs> okay. So, once again, Ben has been very wrong on this episode. I said 100. Well, 56. <laughs> yeah. That's, on, that's only including the first two books of the Siege of Terra. So, I'm not sure how many they're up to at this point. That's true. They're making more. But, and look, they're great. I think they, well, not all of them. Some of the books kind of blow. <laughs> I think most of them are very competent. Mm-hmm. My point is, don't try to do that now. Like, like figure out your your how you actually tell narratives in the 40k universe. And it looks like some of the stuff that they're advertising that we've seen some footage of. I think there's like an anthology series called Hammer and Bolter. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Reminded me of like the Animatrix. Where it's like each one is like different characters, different. So there's mm-hmm. I know there's one with uh, Sororitas. There's one with like an assassin, I think, or something. Yeah. And they're different uh, art styles as well. Yeah, which is super cool. Yeah. I would, I, but I'd much rather have that. Like, tell me like a small story that doesn't require a ton of exposition, but that shows that there's so much more behind this that somebody could explore and, and get them into it that way. I think that'd be super cool. Yeah. The other uh, piece I was gonna say, I know they they were talking a while ago that they were gonna do a live action series about an inquisitor. Oh yeah, yeah. Was it Eisen? No. I, I, was it Eisenhorn? I was trying to remember. Or did they? Did they already come out with the Eisenhorn show? And we were just... It's its a sitcom. <laughs> In front of a live studio audience. Oh, it is, so it is Eisenhorn. Which, by the way, was a great book series. I think it was Dan Abnett, right? Yeah. I, I read that entire series. I really liked it. I thought Eisenhorn was a really interesting, flawed character. The, the other thing I really liked about it, he had this cool, motley crew of people. They were all pretty interesting and you got that feeling kind of like an, an Indiana Jones meets Firefly of like, we got this job to do. I got my, my, you know, ragtag group of survivors. We're going to get it done. Mm-hmm. And you felt like there was a lot of odds stacked against them. And it was really fun. And I think that is a great introduction to this universe because it's going to be grim, dark. It's going to be violent. It's going to be challenging, but it also reveal how intricate and, and expansive the universe is. Right. So we're, we're going to make this a short one. I wanted to do two more questions for you, Tom. Yeah. Other than the Horus Heresy series, which we suggested should be a little off limits, are there others, and, and Eisenhorn, which we know is going to be live action, mm-hmm. are there other specific characters 
or stories that you think would be really good for television, whether animated or live action? Um, I think I've mentioned in one of our earliest episodes that I'm a fan of uh, Aaron Dembski-Bowden. I think some of the, the, the Black Legion trilogy, the Night Lords trilogy, yeah. Spear of the Emperor was really cool. Uh, still waiting on the second book to come out of that. But yeah, I think, well, it's just because I'm a chaos player, but I think that would be that could be really dark. Yeah, the, the Night Lord series with Talos was super good. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. I, I had it on Audible, and I was before quarantine. I was listening to it on my like hour and a half commutes every day, each direction. And it made me slightly less depressed about being stuck in the car for that amount of time. Yeah, it's cool that you get to see the inner workings of Chaos Marines. I feel like that would be a really good show for like the tier three, you know, like the MCU equivalent. Mm-hmm. Like that's the Captain America and the Winter Soldier level. It's like <laughs> we are, we've established some things. Now let's dig deep into this one particular group that are kind of peripheral but have a really interesting story. Mm-hmm. And then they all have their Infinity War where they all come together at the end. Or whoever's left. Yeah. All right. So so Night Lords, Aaron Dembski, Bowden stuff, Spears the Emperor. What else? Anything else that stands out? Mm-hmm. Not sure. So so I liked on my end I would have picked Eisenhorn. That would have been my number one for the reasons I mentioned. So I think it's a mm-hmm. great fit. Right. right. Uh, I was thinking there's some of the like Gaunt's ghosts. Mm-hmm. which I think is also Dan Ebnett. Uh, I'm going to double-check that I'm right, so I give the right person credit. But really good series about Imperial Guard. Oh, uh, Dan Ebnett, yep. So really good series about an Imperial Guard unit um, led by Commissar Gaunt. Really gives you a good sense for what it's like to be a soldier of the Imperial Guard or Astra Militarum. Commissar That's Hormagant. It. What was it? Hormagant. Now, if it was a sitcom where the Hormagant's a commissar, that would be, like, I think the commissar ate someone again. Don't tell him he's wrong or you'll get shot. He's got a hat on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, commissar. <laughs> um, don't you think we should? <laughs> all right. All right. Sorry. Uh, the only thing about God's Ghosts, if you don't know the broader kind of intricacies of warhammer it can feel like oh it's just another like war thing which it is but like if you're just kind of your first introduction is you're following like a rank and file human you might not realize the full extent of insanity with things like hive hive worlds or uh, or like the inquisition or astartes mm-hmm. so actually on that note like a necromunda thing could be really interesting yeah like a cal jericho series possibilities are endless all right. I, I do like Exodite. I think that's a cool one. I think the Astartes is cool. Something about Eldar. I think like a, a show about orcs would be a good like tier two. <laughs> yeah. Definitely need uh, need some orc content. Like like having an orc that gets caught behind human lines and is like just trying to make sense of human culture would be fucking <laughs> Fish out of water type. Tom, that brings us to the end of this one. Mm-hmm. What do we always say, Tom? Second. Mash that like and subscribe button. Adios, bitchachos. Offer void only applies to the contiguous 48 United States. New York City, New York State, P.O. Box 10108. It's Graf McGraff, Chicago, Illinois. It says this time to help us take a bite of the time. Fabulous, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Offer applies only once in my Thank you for doing it. Shipping handling costs extra. to Space Camp. So if, if a piece of bread was six fifty per slice, what what would be contributing to that cost? 
the fanciest greens ever. What if and what if they were all individually smooshed by the <laughs> subtle, sweet uh, butt cheeks of Kim Kardashian? That Okay, sweet sweet breads do have eggs in them. Now that again, sweet comma breads or sweet space, not sweet yeah. breads. Sweet bread is totally different. That is a weird internal organ, I believe. 